Uh, hang on, dogs. Two seconds. <laughs> he hasn't really got a dog. He just. This is just letting the gimp out of the just, room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just off out to leave a comment on the Tory party in the garden. Uh, it was a what, gimp. <laughs> Gover's got to do something now, hasn't he? Backbench. <laughs> I haven't got. I haven't got Gove in the room. Disturbing news. Now, you've let him out. We saw it. You saw you let him out. Disturbing news from that uh, Guardian article today that apparently Gove plays D and D or played D and D. Yes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. It's been knowledge for some time. Shit. I'm going to give up now. Imagine how exciting yeah. that session was. <laughs> yeah. Coke fueled. Yeah, but it's D and D, right? No one plays that, so who cares? Good. Uh, I want to think of this as a haven of bigotry and uh, division. Excellent. Hasn't changed since last time, then. <laughs> That's what you're encouraging, Dave, anyway. <laughs> Good. Welcome, everybody. second series and episode nine of the frankenstein's rpg podcast thank you all very much indeed for your support and for downloading us please do keep that feedback coming even if it is just rage tweeting and occasionally shouting into the void someone will surely be listening this episode i am beset by dogs coming and going which allows the contributors to uh, to ad lib shamelessly that's not gonna happen again so, uh, in this episode, Paul, Lee, Matthew, and Mark, <laughs> sound like the, uh, the Gospels, but there we are, join me uh, to look at both scenarios and GM advice for this Our Science Fiction game. It still is an exercise in the contributors making me bankrupt, though, purchasing games. Ah, oh, well. Very special Twitter mentions again to all those who joined in the debate on this episode. I would have loved to name check everyone, but there seems to be more and more each time, which is lovely, but makes uh, makes episodes incredibly long. So apologies for that. Keep it coming. Keep that sort of uh, contribution coming. It's good. But if you do vote for Traveller, I shall, of course, continue to block you. Now, for those new to us, what's it all about? Well, each episode we get a group of grognards together to look at the very best elements of role-playing games on a given theme or subject. We debate a bit, waffle a lot more around the topic, and then vote on which games will contribute to our creation, the Frankenstein's monster of a game. A sci-fi game this time round. So the idea is that once we've constructed this devilish entity, we, well, we may play it and see if it all hangs together, or indeed falls hopelessly apart at the seams, and quite frankly, I know where my money's going. Anyway, thanks for all the participation again, and I really hope you enjoy it as we again embark on this, the most odd of creative enterprises. Uh, and thank you very much for coming on, I hope everyone's okay. 
Yes, thank you. Very well, thank you. We're well into series two now. This is episode nine. Count them, nine. Um, and this one, we're looking at GM advice and scenario. And apologies, I said a bit of a cold or something. Um, GM advice and uh, scenarios. I wonder, should we, do you want to sort of, um, which way around should we do it? Should we do scenario first and then GM advice? Is that okay? Sounds good. Okay. So uh, introductions first, though. Ever the professional. <laughs> Can I start? Uh, Paul. In celebrity square position number one. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul Fricker, one of the hosts of the Good Friends of Jackson Elias podcast. I write for Call of Cthulhu, the role playing game, and I'm uh, pleased to be back. Sucker. <laughs> Lee, you are in the Pat Coombs position. As usual. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Hello, I'm Lee Carnell. I'm on the Twitters as at LP Carnell. I'm the genius I've been described by myself as the um, uh, force behind the Doll's House, um, which is the Chaosium uh, Call of Cthulhu character online toolkit. Uh, and I, I, I actually work for Chaosium in a, in a um, what, consulting basis. On, but mainly running the doll's house still, so living the dream. And I, and apparently I'm good at tiling, but don't tell anyone. Significantly better t- at tiling than anybody else on this this episode, anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll add that to my please. CV. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, better than the others at tiling. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, Tyler. <laughs> Matthew, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, um, hi, yeah, good evening. Uh, so I'm Matthew, um, at Asako underscore so on Twitter. And yeah, thank you for inviting me. I guess um, the main thing I do for the hobbies is try and organise an annual uh, convention in Leamington called the Albert and Wizard Staff. And thank you all for supporting that. Um, there should be a horror episode with the expertise we've got tonight, though, Dave, with uh, Liam Paul here. It will be a horror show, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I don't even try. To, I, don't, I don't even need to put the uh, the comic asides in. Now that Lee's here, uh, Mark, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Mark. I'm the GM and <laughs> producer, for want of a better word, of the Champions RPG podcast. And I think I might get my coat because I don't think I really deserve to be here, <laughs> based on all the other candidates. So I'll just slink off. Maybe come back later. Yeah, just come back at the end. Yeah, would, that's, would, what every, that's what everyone else is thinking. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't Including know why I'm back. This is my third time. It's like, well, you've got no one else to ask. <laughs> you get to get no, it's, it's based on uh, on popularity. It's on a poll, just like the. Uh, comes, well, I didn't vote. Latest YouGov one. Hmm? I didn't vote. Well, you, you were number one, Tyler. So we felt we had uh, to. Uh, okay. Well, I would have voted for Matthew anyway. So. You, you or Bonnie, one of the two. Yeah, right. Dave was assuming that with your tiling skills, you might have a bit of plastering to go over all these cracks that he's <laughs> creating that, that, in that's, podcast. That's why I tiled the wall. <laughs> we, we, we're stretching it now, aren't we? Yeah, shut yes. up. <laughs> shall, we, shall we make a start? God's <laughs> sake. Right. We're going to go with uh, scenario first, then GM advice. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, scenario. So, we're looking really for either the sort of the very, very best example of a science fiction scenario, 
or something that kind of fits with the overall mechanics of the game, which is... <laughs> let's, let's draw a discreet veil over that now. Um, or actually just something you think would be an absolute rip-roaring you know, scenario to sort of be involved in. So uh, who would like to go first? Uh, anybody volunteering, or do I have to volunteer? Matthew? Matt? Yeah, I don't mind jumping in, Dave. Um, yeah, this is... Uh little bit of a tricky one because I, I thought if I'm going to recommend something better be something I've I've played at or run at least um I'm sure like a lot of people have lots of books on my shelves that I haven't actually brought to the table so it's quite good sort of reflecting over some of the uh sci-fi stuff I've run over the years um so where I got to for this I, I sort of listened back to the episodes and I'm aware um you've got this kind of idea of a sort of traveler sandbox stroke space opera as the the rough outline of, of the setting. Um, so a few things that I thought could be fitted into that, but um, albeit having to sort of um, maybe change or adapt slightly. Um, so one thing I ran... Shoehorn, I think you... Sorry? Yeah, shoehorn, I think shoe you're looking horn, for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, well, the, the, in sort of reverse order, so the bronze, I guess, my bronze award is something I, I, I ran when I first got back into the hobby, which was um, something called Emergence for Shadowrun 4E. So quite an well, Ooh. 2006, 2007 now, I think this came out. Um, and just the reason yeah. for mentioning it, I know we're not sort of probably going for cyberpunk, but it's something, it's quite a nice little short mini campaign that revolves around a particular sub-element of the setting. So it could kind of fit. So obviously the idea with cyberpunk and particularly Shadowrun is around the matrix, hacking, all that kind of stuff. And emergence deals with um, the notion of technomancers, so people who have sort of psionic ability to hack into the the matrix rather than using technology. Mm. And really, the campaign is about, you know, how corps try and understand them, weaponize them, that kind of stuff. So, given that you've got psionics in, given that you've got, you could have some kind of dystopian urban component to your setting day that could fit. But I think it's a bit maybe the furthest mm. of the stretches. Um, and doesn't involve any of the kind of bits of Shadowrun that put people off, like the elves and the magic and the sort of fantasy bits, more kind of, as I say, about Matrix, psionics and 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 corpse and kind of covert ops mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, but the two I, I wanted to put forward, um, so one is from... Um, Who? The, sorry? Who you want to put forward? No, I'm going to knock put out in a minute. So I'm trying to think, so... Um, Favoritism. The, the one just, is, you, don't to, you don't have to knock one out, just choose. Yeah, well, it, it's it's tricky. You know, it's all about it because I think I play a lot of, of uh, franchise licensee type stuff, and that's one of the issues I think. And um, so the one I was going to suggest is really good is um, from the Edge of Empire Beginners game, so for Star Wars FFG, which is Escape from Moss Shutter. And the reason that's quite fun is it just really Ooh. you know gives you all the kind of Star Wars vibes and sort of punches you in the guts with them a bit a bit hard in some ways. It starts off with the cantina, has a hut yeah. crime boss, has you know Gamorrean guards chasing you through Tatooine, has stormtroopers, yeah, has Tie is. fighters, so hits you pretty hard with the kind of Star Wars feels. And and the only Star Wars FFG scenario I've played. Oh, okay, so you can have a view on that in day. So, yeah. Brilliant. Really, really good fun. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. It, you know, if you want to go, go Star Wars, that's your baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I appreciate if Sorry. you want to make something a bit more generic, that might take a lot more adaptation or lose some of that emotional uh, charge. Yeah. So the one, my, my top one, I think is the most adaptable is, is an adventure called Signals, which is for Star Trek Adventures, which is again, a game I've, I've played a lot and, and like for, you know, the Modifius 2D20. And um, as 
surprisingly, there's actually three versions of this published, which is a bit weird. Um, one in the like Shackleton Expanse book, uh, one in their Quick Start, and one in what was the original Modiphius Living Campaign, which is the one I run. And the reason this is good, because I think it fitted back to your like session one when uh, Martin was talking about uh, wonder and awe. So it kind of starts off with the party trying to pursue a, I think, missing shuttle or a, or a shuttle that's fallen, to, fallen out of orbit into the planet. And alongside that investigation, they come across some eccentric miners, some alien artifact and tech, and um, some, you know, one of the, uh, I guess, archetypal nemeses of the Star, War, Star Trek setting kind of appear. I guess you could adapt that to whatever evil empire you want to use in, in, in your setting, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that covers quite a lot of ground. And, and when I ran it, you know, the one nice thing about it, I think Dirk completely cocked up his roles as a Tellerite engineer. She managed to blow up the whole planet at the end. So um, I always think a total planetary kill even beats a, a TPK. So... That was, that was the, so for me, that has got some nice elements. Um, it includes you know, starship combat as well as planet side stuff. You've got alien tech, you've got the wonder, you've got um, um, the archetypal villain you could bring in. And you've got, I guess, three different versions. You can adapt it to ever, however long you want to want to play it. So a shorter version or a more complicated version. And I think you can probably get rid of the Star Trek. Anything, as I say, is taking that um, archetypal enemy away and replacing it with something else. Otherwise, everything else is pretty generic, I reckon. So yeah, so of the things I've run and enjoyed, I, I, my top one I think would be would be signals for Star Trek Adventures. Do you know I haven't played this Star Trek Modiphius, and that's something we need to remedy fairly soon. Good yeah, signals, Star Trek Adventures. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little bit simpler than Conan, Dave. So it's a little bit less crunchy than the Conan iteration, yeah, yeah. which I know you've played. Yeah, which I berate on a regular basis. Hmm. Good. Okay. Signals. Star Trek Adventures. Uh, Paul, can we uh, can we come to you now? Yeah, certainly. So, thinking about the scenarios, what I had in mind was a scenario that would go well in this big fat core book that you're going to publish, Dave, of Frankenstein's science fiction role playing game. Mm-hmm. And E5. So this- so the scenarios, that, the kind of criteria that I was using when I was thinking about those type of scenarios, the kind of four things it needs to do to my mind. One is that it needs to be an exemplar of the kind of standard game a, a sh- that showcases the, the system, the, the, the setting of the game and what the game's about. So, you know, I put, I've written quite a lot of different scenarios for Call of Cthulhu, I wouldn't use all of them for this thing. It, so it'd want to be, if it were Call of Cthulhu, it'd want to be, you know, your kind of either modern day or 1920s, fairly sort of standard setting, not a, you know, 1850s thing in a whaling boat, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody written? Uh, they should. Um, they really should. They? Now, the next thing I thought, it wants to offer some hold, hand-holding for the GM to sort of take them through the various parts of the rules. And it wants to showcase the rules as well. So if you've got rules for combat, there wants to be some combat. If there's rules for social interaction, there wants to be some social interaction, things like that. It needs to be fairly easy to digest. Now, I looked at Space Master. That is not easy to digest. It was a fairly short scenario. And it starts with a massive information dump that was interesting for the first paragraph. And then I persevered for a while. And then I thought, does any, how is this going to fit in? What are the players going to do here? And I never really did find out. 
space barter sort of took the kill or cure kind of path, really, didn't it? If you can survive this scenario, if you well can done. survive reading your it, way. yeah. yeah. Uh, and and okay. lastly, it needs to be, I think, fun to read and fun to play. So it needs to be engaging both as a reader to the GM, you know, reading through it. Because if you're a new, you're not necessarily a new GM, but you're new to this game. So it needs to communicate it, you know, very effectively to you. So the one that, to cut a long story short, the one that I found that did that best was The Rescue at Xerxes 4, which is another Star Trek Adventures. Um, it doesn't start off with a massive information dump. It starts off very accessibly. You, almost, you hit the ground running as players, but you also hit the ground running when you read it. There's no big preamble. Mm-hmm. And as the players, you start aboard a runabout heading onto a mission on a planet. And the wording of the sentence is, you start on a runabout hurtling towards the planet, not heading towards it, hurtling towards it, which is, you know, just more evocative. And then it takes you through various scenes. So it's presented in a series of scenes. So you get to the planet, you know, you get, there's a combat, then there's there's a, a journey, and you have to identify some poisonous plants and figure out what you can do with them. You go to a science space and meet the scientists. So there's there's room for for dialogue. Quite a number of scenarios I've I've encountered. There isn't any scope for the GM playing NPCs. If you're just going into a base and there's just monsters there, you know, like just like alien, like in a, a, the alien. You can't talk to it. So the GM doesn't get to take on a, an NPC role. And I think that's a really important thing, in, particularly in, in starting scenarios. So all in all, I thought this adventure, The Rescue at Xerxes 4 for Star Trek Adventures by Modiphius, seemed to communicate a really good feel for the game. It seemed to showcase all the different types of rules that were in the game and seemed like it'd be fun. So there you go. That's my nomination. No, I think it's very good, and you know, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the GM in some games almost becomes like uh, they, they just sort of present the facts as opposed to actually get involved there and do the role playing themselves at times. Yeah, and I think particularly if you're playing with players who haven't played very much, yeah. they won't necessarily talk to each other in character. Yeah. But they'll take the prompt from you as GM. If you talk to them in character, in the character of one of the NPCs, it draws yeah. them out to talk in character, which is why I'm always very keen to have NPCs for the GM to portray. Yeah. yeah that's good. It's such as sort of, you know, some sort of maritime, large fish, boat-based characters, for example. They could be going a through... range of whaler accents. You know, I think... <laughs> I think I think Full Fathom 5 could be converted for science fiction. Yeah, definitely. It could. It so could. I, I'm put, I'm staking my claim right now. When you publish, I'm going to put the, that I'm going to, you know, redo the scenario for you, Dave, and uh, you. scrub off the serial numbers. Full, full Parsec 5, we'll yes. call it. Steve Cthulhu in space, Paul. It could just be Cthulhu in space, couldn't it? Yeah. 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 We, so why is that? We have why a name, we we have a name for the game, everybody. Why are we even bothering with this show? <laughs> Something that gets asked question. often, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Usually by me, actually. <laughs> right. So full parsec five. 
Rescue Xerxes 4. Ah, now I see how you structure these uh, scenario things. <laughs> Rescue Xerxes 5, full. Xerxes 4, full. Fathom 5. Uh, Enid Blyton's 6. No, that's the wrong one. Right, next. Uh, Lee, Lee. Um, any sort of well maritime-based fish hunting scenario you're thinking? Um, well, I wasn't, but obviously I am now. <laughs> um, okay, so so I, this perturbed me because I I don't pl- or haven't haven't played in a lot of sci-fi games, or let alone run yeah. Let let's face it. Mm. Um, I, I think I did count them, and it was like five or six. So anyway, so I, I was a bit worried about this, and I, and I still am, uh, especially after hearing <laughs> Paul and Matthew speak quite eloquently <laughs> on theirs. No, because they both came up with, with uh, something concrete and 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 something that that you know you, you could look at and say, yeah, that's good. Uh, whereas I'm just going to be very woolly and say, like, I looked at it and think, well, what space opera? You know, and so you look it up and, it, and it, you get a load of things. So it's like um, a futuristic melodramatic fantasy involving space travellers and extraterrestrial beings. And you're thinking like, well, that's no help, is it? Because because that's what I thought sci-fi was, but it's space opera. Anyway, um, and then you think, well, so what's a, what's a good space opera? And it's just like, uh, well, Star Wars set the bar extremely high, apparently, for as a space opera. And you can see why, because of the, the sto- you've got the elements of the story and, and the uh, the melodrama and everything. Then you've got a big bad, et cetera, and, and sweeping plots. And, and that's all what space opera is about rather than high, hard sci-fi. So, so do you think, okay, so what is, so it's like June, Star Trek, Star Wars. Uh, so I looked at books and, and almost all of the science fiction books I read are categorized as um, a space opera. It seems from, you know, Hamf- F. Hamilton, uh, Neil, Neil Asher, all the way up to um, one of Arrington books and, and, you know, and Adrian Tchaikovsky's books as well, you know, which are all fantastic yeah, yeah. and great. So thinking, okay, well, that, that's still no help to me. Uh, so I'm in full procrastination mode on this. Did you go back and do do any tiling? Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that, that's yeah. that was my fallback to uh, as comfort on this, so I can not get too. Is nomination going to be the Haynes tiling manual? Um, <laughs> there's a manual. No one told me there was a manual. I just learnt it, so I did it. His missus is crossing today in the kitchen. Yeah, Dave wrote the, the manual. No, not Dave. Dave. Sorry, Lee. Lee wrote <laughs> the manual. No, yeah, Lee did. I wouldn't. I'd procrastinate heavily if I had to write it. God's sake, I'd never do it. Anyway, so then I thought, okay, so what are you know? Let's let's pair this back. And so, what does everyone say? The pillars of the game are. And of course, we all know what they are, don't we? You've got social interaction, combat, yep. and exploration. And and I think it was said earlier in this podcast a few times, you know, that basically if you play the sci-fi game, you want to kick down doors, shoot lasers, and kill aliens. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's a it's a very cerebral kind of game we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's it. So I, I don't have a concrete nomination, is what I'm trying to get round to. But I, I think you know, you, you need a story that, that has got those three elements in. And, you, you know, and 
I think, I think in science fiction, you really can, they really could all be equal. Whereas I think in a lot of F20 games, let's face it, it's all about the combat, isn't it? There's, you know, mm. there are no, you know, if there's a social interaction skill on a fantasy game, it's, it's not, you know, that you don't get um, <clears throat> spell slots in it or anything like that. You, you know, it's just a roll of dice, see if you can charm the guard or chat up the barmaid or anything like that. But I think in science fiction, you really can lean on that and, and bring that to the fore. And again, exploration. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Space. It's, you know, it's mostly empty. You've got to travel to get anywhere. And if you're, you know, if you're starting out, everything you find is going to be new and exciting. So, so if we're talking about a traveler sandbox type game, as Matthew said at the, the top of the show, which, which I think is, is probably the right sort of setting for this, then what do you, where do you start with that? You get a ship and you trade stuff. Just don't tell James Wallace or he'll blow it up when you get to a planet. But so I, I, th I think okay. those are the elements that, that would make a good starting scenario in the, in the you know, the starter set is some sort of you give it a quest or you're given a, car a cargo and you have to deliver it somewhere or you have to retrieve an item, something like that. I mean, yeah. and I, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know of something that fits that bill and it, I'm crap, but I'm sorry. And um, no, no, no. I'll tell you what, actually, the, what, one thing we did, we talked about it in, um, it was in the character creation bit where we talked about Beyond the Wall. Mm. Yeah, emergent play. Yeah, and, and actually, I think Beyond the Wall is, is um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic game. And even though you know, the majority of it's sort of essentially sort of D&D &D based. But what you do is you start off with a, and in the scenarios, you can, well, you can either sort of pre-plan it. Alternatively, during the character ge generation, that throws up elements for the scenario design. So what you could almost do is sort of playbook the scenario. So you could, yeah. you know, as you were saying, that's, that might be a way of doing that. It might be. I mean, I, I, I like, yes. I mean, but there's a lot of overhead for the GM there and that might link into something later we talk about later on. You know, yeah. I mean, you want something in front of you rather than have to riff off what five people are talking about um, when they come up with other things. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't come up with anything concrete, but I, I think it's, yeah, some sort of emergent style play where you do, you know, you, got a goal in mind whether it's to deliver a cargo find the, you know the, the doohickey that that will make the wormhole operate or, or whatever you know and and see where you go for that and and i'm sorry i'll come last again but there you go <laughs> but but it actually it, genuinely it, it does work exactly like that so as you as you're going through that whole sort of character creation process there will be something so it would be one of your players has lost a and then they have to do, you know, you either roll it or they say, oh, I've lost a cousin who's incredibly wealthy on this planet in blah, blah, blah. He's whatever, hunting out you know, ancient yep. archaeological sites. And that's how it then goes. And then you 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 then you sort of role play through that that bit. And, it's, and it's that's exactly what I meant. Well done, Dave. You, you picked up on that and, and run with that. Perfect. Beyond, beyond the, but that's that was my suggestion. So you've blown it for me. Thank you very much. Sorry. 
<laughs> some sort of beyond the wall emergent thing. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. It, no, it oh, worked. Honestly, I, 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 I really, other than Full Fathom 5, I don't think I could recommend anything else highly enough uh, than Beyond the Wall. Beyond the Wall is absolutely outstanding game. Really, really good. Really I, good. I was the first person to die when we played Full Fathom 5. And, uh, well done. And, and I came, you know, I've got another character, obviously. I don't want to give too much away. But yeah, I was, they, um, they thought I was trying to strangle someone. And it was totally untrue. Yeah. My character. Yeah, I must say that, that, that Full Fathom 5 has, has the best start of a scenario, I think, I've ever been in. Because it's yeah. like, it's, it's you're off. You know, you've got to row, row. And... <laughs> I played it with John Sumro. He was he was brilliant oh, at it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Lovely. sorry, I'll shut up now. Yes. I finished my rubbish. Stop I think Paul's got a footnote in there saying if, if Lee's playing with you, make sure you kill his character first. I think it's in there somewhere. It's, yeah, it's it in every Page game. Three. It's in every game. It's, it's I've seen it. <laughs> it's a footnote. Yeah. So I have concerns. If they thought you were trying to strangle someone, you weren't trying to strangle them. Exactly what what you were doing. But, I can't know, give, maybe the, that, that's, I can't that's, give that's, things that's, away. That's but, a conversation no. for a more more adult podcast, I think. <laughs> Look, mm. we're, we've been Leave at sea. It. We've been at sea for <laughs> nearly a year. I've seen a woman. <laughs> hey, can we move on, please, Dave? Take <laughs> control. Of Again, take down, control. Down, down comes the discreet veil. God, X-God. No one played the X-God. Sorry, I thought I was, I was here to lower the tone. I thought that was my... my no, that's my job. My role. So, scenario. What uh, What are you thinking? So, uh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah I, did, I struggled with this slightly. So, Lee, um, after you've heard what I've got to say, you realise you had nothing to fear. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I haven't played a lot of sci-fi games Um and I, I certainly, I don't think I've ever run one either. Um, and, and listening to Paul's sort of, inter- you know, going through his stuff, uh, you know, I realised I'd, I'd looked at it maybe from a very different way. And, and I think Paul possibly changed my mind as to what I might present. Because, you know, Paul's idea of, you know, it wants to be something that showcases the setting, showcases the rules, it's easy to follow, is, you know, Almost like, you know, to, well, to me, it sounds like, you know, because this sort of being a starter adventure wants to be, you know, just point, point, point. Everyone enjoys it, gets over with. And no one really needs to know what's going on or have read the scenario for more than 30 seconds before you run it. So I'm going with. Ah, paranoia. Because the rule set, the, 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 the setting in the back of this does all those things. It, it's, it exactly fits the setting, but I'm not really going with paranoia. I just thought it pissed Dave off. <laughs> so, uh... Do you know what? I've, I've just snapped my pencil <laughs> as I was writing. Paran- Joking aside, I did genuinely think, for many of the reasons Paul was saying about his scenario, that the scenario in the back of the paranoia book is exactly what it's meant to be for that setting. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the setting, I, you're one of the players. Um, it's fucking atrocious. Sorry, it's atrocious. So <laughs> I'm actually going to go. I, I'm going to rub someone else up the wrong way though, because I'm going to go with a Space Master scenario called. Ooh. I'm going to pronounce this wrong, probably. Akisha, Akisha. Um, so it's action on Akisha Outstation. And I, I'd already sort of thought I, I like the this, this, the way that 
<laughs> sorry, Paul, that the, the, the role master, oh, sorry, space master scenarios are set out because years ago I didn't like them because of the style that they're set out in. And I think they much more fit the style of modern day games in that it's not a, here's 70 pages, number one, room seven, this room has this monster and these, it's very much broken down into sections and you have like the, well, in this one, you have the overriding tale of what's going on, all the NPCs, then the layout of the area you're in, then the tasks that will present themselves during the scenario and then the encounters for those tasks. And the, the NPCs are relatively detailed, you know, there's sort of a paragraph for each one, you know, a bit of background, what they look like, how they behave, a bit of intrigue around them. But you end up with this sort of framework of this is what's going on. In this, in this case, a little space station. There are these, there's actually multiple adventures in, in this 31-page little tome because the Paul was did seem to be alluding to that these things were huge and it's like there's 31 pages it is I do I do confess it's a bit of an information dump as Paul was saying but it's a very concise information dump and and it's it's there's a lot of room for the GM to read it because I mean I don't know if, if I'm playing a game I expect the GM to have read the scenario and know it reasonably well yeah. you know yeah. if, the, if the scenario is is you know Again, sorry, apologies, Paul. I feel like I'm picking on you. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I ran Space Master, yeah. you know, back in the day, and and I did enjoy it. It was just reading this, and you know, this one I read was in the uh, in the core book. I think it was only like oh, seven, right. seven pages. It wasn't overly long. I just found it quite dense and not very uh, no, interesting no, no, I, to I, read. Well, I, the I one you got is. sounds yeah, sounds much more. No, I, no I, I do agree with that. I think there, there, there is a very, very big density of information, but it gives you so much scope to roll out. So it, it does require the GM to put a little bit of effort in and that they've got to read all that information and take it in because, it's, yeah, it's very concise information. There's no words wasted there. And then it's quite open in that, you know, you know what's going off, you know what the, the main aims of all the NPCs are, and what the drivers for the for the couple of scenarios that are actually included in the whole in that thirty one pages, and then it's up to you to then put those pieces together, throw them towards the players. The players then take those on board with a few threads they're given, and then you merge that scenario around the players depending on how they play or whatever. As yeah. I say, rather than what I, what the style I loved when I was much younger, which was. Okay, you're doing the well. The Temple of Elemental Evil springs to mind. It's like this is room one. In here are seven bugbears. Blah blah blah. And there's a bit of a thread of a story, but there's not very much to it. And it's all just combat, 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 combat. Every room's geared for combat, and, and that's it. So, yeah, I sort of surprised myself when I because I, I do confess I've only skim read this as well because I haven't read it for a long time. As to how much what something that I didn't like several years ago. As now now uh, really appeals to me because of the the change of styles of play and you know the expectations of what the GMs and players will do over maybe the last five or ten years. One of us, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you all in the end. It's funny. I I think because the space master scenarios tend to tended to sort of follow a similar sort of uh, track to the Merc stuff, don't they? We get the 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 explanation of the region and then okay if, if you're on this 
age, you can do this bit. And if you're on this age, this will be how the region has changed. So Space Master is a little bit like that. But some, you know, as you say, some yes. big, big space opera type stuff. Yeah. I mean, this scenario is a little bit more targeted than that because they're not dealing with all those ages and stuff. But yeah, uh, I mean, the, the yeah. structure and format is the same, exactly the same as Merp and Rollmaster. Yeah. 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 As you said, it, I've recently have begun re, uh, recollecting and discovering all the Merp scenarios, ably sort of prodded on by you know, people who prey on my simpleton nature. Saying, oh, have you got this one? Have you got this one, Dave? <laughs> 180,000 pounds, if you'd like. That's so I have that one. So, and uh, and the most recent one was uh, the kin strife, mm. which is where, you know, a big thick one. And that was, um, that was uh, Steve, Orlanth Rex uh, Steve, who, who viciously made me buy it. Uh, as we got print on demand version of it, you know, he's, he's, terrible in that regard but it's fantastic I, 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 I actually do quite like that as you said as long as you familiarize yourself with region or area or spaceship or situation or whatever then there's lots of things that could happen within that I, as you said I think when I was younger and with the, some of the Merp stuff I wanted it to as you I think you're absolutely right Mark I think what I really wanted it to was to be fairly sort of linear fairly sequential but as I'm getting older, I'm more sort of like... That's a much better what? way of putting it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I know all the words. Uh, you know, go go, go for it. Here it is. And it's uh, funny, the reason we're just talking about with when and Lee was was, uh, was talking was with the bit beyond the wall stuff. I quite like that sort of element of, of jeopardy now. You're not quite sure where it's going to go. And you can flesh something out as a group and sort of you know come up with a, a, an idea. Whereas obviously Space Master, they've they've come up with what the the area is. You know you can you can really go for it. So no, it's great. I think it's good. So action on Akisha Outstation. Even no, the title is difficult. Just just a quick aside. Have, have you got all the settings books like Gondor and all? Because I've got all those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not all of them. Oh, yeah, they're, they're only seventy-five Yet. quid a pop. Ah, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm gonna have to sell the other kidney now. Oh well. Do you need? Do you need any more than one? I'm not sure. I'll, you do. I'll take the kidney if you don't mind. It's good to have one in reserve. Okay. <laughs> you definitely can't have the liver. That's that's absolutely buggered. So, uh, my turn. My turn now. Now you've you've all you've all been very very sort of. Um, clever and you've all been very uh, thoughtful in in the way that you sort of put these together not so me uh once again i've just gone do i really like and throwback time okay imagine we're back in the 1980s imagine we're actually back in july 1983 everybody july 1983 uh, and you pick up a little mag magazine, possibly, possibly W. H. Smith's, possibly. And on the front it says, "Imagine, oh. imagine, everybody." And then imagine that slightly before you've as you've gone and bought the magazine, somebody called John Tantoblin, not a made-up name. I've looked him up. John Tantoblin, Tantoblin, Tantoblin. 
uh, has written within the pages of that Imagine magazine, this little beauty, Aramax One. 1980s. Hang on, dog's trying to get out. Two seconds. Even the dog thinks it's a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a crisis. Yeah, we're back in the 80s now, aren't we, Dave? So, Sorry. Was it the, the, the dog is uh, the dog's already commented, left the room. Uh, Aramax One. Why do I like Aramax One? Apart from clearly, it does all the things that you talked about. There are NPC. I ran this uh, little uh, little convention not long ago. I managed to get a voice recorder because the first the, the initial conversation that you have with uh, with this um, NPC, he's distorted his voice. So I got on the phone, I got a little app where you can, you know, read into it. It distorts your voice. It gives you the alien voice and everything else. Fantastic. Anyway, the plot is Aramax one. There is a, a, a planet uh, in, in the, listen to this, in the triad uh, Cassidine star system. Yeah, it's good. One of the hub worlds. Uh, there's something going on. It's something going on. You've got to go and break into this station and you've got to solve the mystery of uh of apparently somebody looking to uh to bring down a company so there's an element of mystery in there but basically once you actually get to this installation it's just guns blazing I remember playing it in the 80s guns blazing played it in the 2020s guns blazing and it has exactly what you're talking about earlier on. I think Lee, you said, it, Paul probably said it as well. You know, it's it's incredibly easy to digest. There's lots of guns kicking down doors, killing aliens. Pow zap, you're in. The added bonus for everybody is 1983 July Imagine magazine, but you could adapt it to almost anything, with the exception of Space Maelstrom, I would imagine. But which is a shame. Aramax one. I rest my case. Star Frontiers. Oh. Oh. I had to get Star Frontiers in somewhere. Which is some Jesse Dirks offering that in some in uh, Grogmeet or something? Yeah. No, it's Go Play Manchester. Go Play Manchester. Cool. Which I can't. I cannot stay for. Oh. Let me say I'm playing Star Frontiers. The Aramax one. It's it, incredibly simple premise. You're almost straight away into the action, and then there's lots of it, and and then you solve the, the the the. I can't go into why why you're actually going to this installation, otherwise it ruin the very very short scenario that it is. But it'd be a great introduction. Nothing to do with spaceships though, which is possibly possibly an oversight when you were talking about using all the rules. I think Paul, you were saying that earlier on. No introduction to uh, uh, to spaceships in mine, or perhaps even any of the other ones. But there we go. Aramax One, Star Frontiers, Imagine Magazine, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your uncle. <laughs> we come to the vote, gentlemen, ladies. Oh, by the way, the Twitter poll was very, very non-specific, other than the fact that Traveller won. But I don't think anybody nominated a, tra a Traveller, a Traveller adventure or something. I was going to say, Dave, because I did actually look over, you know, Death Station, which I think Carl recommended. And obviously, I've really enjoyed reading Pirates of Drunak. I just felt a bit awkward nominating it without having actually played them. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I know the Traveller community are a huge part of your fan base. 
So uh, we should we should mention. Well, I've I've, I've gone over this. to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, I have gone over to the dark side, and Carl uh, is actually uh, he's the GM uh, for, and we're doing uh, Secrets of the Ancients. Very good, Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, isn't it? The first edition, I think. Yeah, but really, 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 really great bunch of people. It's 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 a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So I take it back about Traveller, but of course we're using the Liminal dice rolling system, not Traveller, which makes it all all the more all the more different. So doesn't that just make it the Traveller setting? Yeah, not Skill plus two d six. Yeah. Didn't Paul say he took the Liminal system from Traveller? So I'm completely confused now. Uh, no, no, no. He, he came up with it originally. Traveller, Traveller nicked it from Paul. Ah, uh, makes sense. Not many people know this. That's long, long, long-running legal case he's got against. And those tiny, wimey sci-fi workshop. things. I'm sure. Yeah, Mark, Mark Miller's yeah. got lots of lawyers now. <laughs> yeah, Mark Miller. Right. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to write. For, I'm going to vote. Right. I'm going to vote first. I am going to go. With uh, Monk's action on Akisha Outstation, because thank you, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're going to come to this kind of game not knowing anything about uh, role playing games, and I therefore think that the j- games masters are probably going to be a little bit more advanced, perhaps maybe players are new, don't it? But I think that really open but detailed setting i think i think that's great it's also space master which is great <laughs> so uh yeah so, so on, my the, cover, on the cover of the book dave you should have a big banner saying not for novices movies <laughs> <laughs> get lost yeah yes. just in quick, quick defense I know, I, know, I, know, I know the time has passed but there's not that much combat detail in it. Most of it is around the NPCs yeah. and role playing. You don't oh, need good. to know the rules. That's the no. one of the big things in Role Master and Space Master is you can play it combat heavy, but the settings yeah. and the scenarios are all based around the NPCs and the settings, not not about the fights you're getting into. So you don't need to have that experience. You just imagine your character, and as long as you can get your head around the fact that you've chosen the personality of your character. That's all, you, all the player needs. The GM can take them through anything else. It sounds like you're telling me I can't use the critical hit tables now. Yeah, I think oh, you might you be can, talking yeah. yourself out of the pers- boat there, Mark. I may revert. I may vote again. One to, one to 18 and all that, 18 maximum. That doesn't make sense. One to 100, 100 being the highest. Perfect sense. That's why I like Rollmaster and Space Master. It's easy to get your head around numbers. Very, very true. Well, Mark, <laughs> since you're there, come on. You can't vote for action on a Keisha outstation. You can vote for Rescue at Xerxes 4, Star Trek. Signals, Star Trek. Modifia, Star Trek, both of those. Uh, Beyond the Wall style, uh, kick down doors, kill aliens, power zap, traveler sandbox from Lee. Or Aramax 1 from Imagine Magazine. July 1983, John Tantablin. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is this is a tough one because after my, my my ranting about oh it's great having an open setting and all that, and not them as a GM, I, as a player, I still like to kick in doors and shoot things. <laughs> so, so I'm a bit torn. 
it, it's it's a tie really for me between okay. signals because it sounded interesting and 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 it would make me not just kick down doors and, and that sort of thing. An Aramax one because it seems to you've made it sound like it, it fits into my style of as a player. So I think I'll have to go for Aramax one. Oh, listen, this is like the axis of evil. <laughs> Swapped votes. There we are. He does. Uh, Lee, the Eurovision. The next. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the Eastern <laughs> blocks come on. Your <laughs> Cyprus. I'm Greece. Yeah. <laughs> Lee. Where would you like so, to pass your vote? All good picks, apart from mine, obviously. Um, Dave, Aramax one, I, I, I like that. Back into the 80s, but it does sound like a dodgy aftershave, so I had to discount that, <laughs> on that just on that basis. I'm sorry. The, the, you know, this very scientific method I'm doing here. So signals and, and um, rescue support, I mean, I've never played Star Trek. I am a Star Trek fan. Um, I, from what you described, it has all the elements I'd like to see. You know that, that there's, there's, you know, you're given a mission. You've got exploration, and, and there's there's aliens, mm-hmm. and there's things to encounter and overcome, and, yeah. and everything like that. I, I I just wonder whether Star Trek role playing game is like Star Trek, where you know you don't really get to shoot a lot of things. Um, because they kind of don't, except when they did. I mean, and, yeah, it is a drawback. I love shooting things. In, in its yeah. defence, there's a couple of firefights in, in Signals. I think there's some dangerous animals, from what I recall, from Paul's scenario. To shoot. <laughs> <laughs> some dangerous animals. Well, you know, everyone likes there's to an Alsatian. You know, if you're if you're a player in a sorry, you'd like to go on the, off on the random bit where you just like cause some mayhem and damage, and, and you know, generally yeah. some murders and things. So, you know, but do they? I'm sorry. So I, I should I should pull you up on Aramax one sounding like a very bad aftershave. You cannot possibly have Xerxes four. You know that sounds like the the primordial Turkish aftershave. Xerxes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, sounds but like we, a chain of kebab shops, doesn't yeah, it? Paul, Paul didn't take us back to the eighties where where that's sort of, you know. Where, where you know where you I've first no encounter anyone back to the eighties. Really. Well, see, that's what that's what I like about you, Paul. A karate signals scent of a woman. Anyway, so so you can see where this is going, and and, it, and it's it's going to um, action locatious outstation because I, what I really like the description on that is is that it, it yeah it had all those pillars that you know the exploration combat social attraction, mm-hmm. but it was. It was sort of more, it was truer to the sandbox type space yeah. opera thing that for this game, you know, it was all there. You said it was all nicely, you know, you know, it wasn't very complicated. But out of that, those seeds, there was a lot of seeds that you could explore and go with and be prepared to be and the GM could be prepared for. So, so yeah. for that reason, that gets my vote because it's it. it I, I mean, everyone wants to go on an adventure, but they don't want to feel like they're being on the adventure you know it's you know it's the Mm. um yeah it's find out what happens through play not 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 have it predetermined that that's what i like yeah you're not sort of following on one linked sausage to another yeah i mean look you know certain types of styles of sorrows and that you know they have to be on rails and everything like that yeah 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 and and there's nothing I've got nothing against with being on on rails, which is different from being rail railroaded. But but I yeah, also yeah. like I also like the the feeling of the freedom as well. That you know, 
because let's face it, who hasn't played in a game where, you, you know, it's a, it's a trope, isn't it? You, you, you spend as a GM, you spend a few more minutes than you should detailing the, um, the, the guy that's selling them some armor. And all of a yeah. sudden, that's where all the focus goes. And you might as well toss away that six-level dungeon that you, you spent eight months detailing yeah. you know, with the whatever. and all, all, all the internal consistencies, yeah. There's reasons for everything to be in every room. Forget, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've done all the ecosystem. No, no, let's, you know, if you get that... You know, yes, there is an overarching plot and it's all in there, but it doesn't really matter what you do because it all needs, you know, it's all in there. I like it. Okay. So that gets my vote. Action at Akisha Outstation. But I'm um, two <laughs> votes now. Ooh, Matt. Matt, you can't obviously vote for signals. Scent yep. of a woman. Uh, you, can, you can do Rescue at Xerxes 4 by Hugo Boss. Uh, action on Akisha Outstation, which isn't a perfume at all. Uh, Lee's Beyond the Wall, Sandbox, go for it, kill, kill, pause at, or at Aramax One, uh, scent of a bodybuilder. I think that would be <laughs> cool, interesting. So I'm not averse to 80s, you know, magazine adventure. I managed to run a Bushido, what as you know, for grog meat from the uh, 80s White Dwarf, which is just about intelligible. Brilliant. So it is, it is it's not uh, off the cards. Yeah, I, I think I've, I mean, I, I guess I am drawn a bit to sci fi because it's not just shooting at monsters. I guess, contrary to Lee, I quite like the bits of the social interaction, the puzzles, the, as you said, the kind of yeah. wonder and awe. And perhaps I like that kind of that kind of flip you get in sometimes in sci fi where you go from wonder to horror, that you, you meet the alien artifact, and you think, oh, this is wonderful. And suddenly you realize it's about to, you know, enter your thoughts to control you or something. And then you shoot it. Mm. Then you shoot it, as Lee says, or you, or you fail to depower it and blow up the planet as uh, as Dirk did. Um, so I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my um Star Trek loyalty and then go for the um uh rescue at Xerxes 4, I think. Because I have played this and run run it and and it's a it's a cracking little adventure. The other thing about it that Paul didn't mention, but also because it kind of starts off, I think, as kind of new officers coming in, you know, joining their new ship. You kind of you can allow the kind of setting to develop. Actually, they don't have a lot of background knowledge. Yeah, the new players, yeah. whatever it is, whether it's new players joining their new traveller ship or whatever ship it is, it could be quite easily adaptable. You don't have to sort of front load lots of exposition. You just get stuck in, yeah. as, as Paul mentioned. So I'm going to go for, um, um, yeah, the, the centre of Persia in Xerxes 4. Rescue, rescue at Xerxes 4. <laughs> Calvin Klein. You're going to release a cologne range with this game, I take it, Dave, obviously. I've been told it's the merchandise and supplements. Is In fact, I think it was either Mr Fricker or yeah. uh, Dr Ian Cooper uh, who said, you know, it's it's the add-ons. That's where you make the money. Yeah, I think scented dice is a new thing. Scratch and sniff. <coughs> oh. oh. Yeah, sc- scratch and sniff adventures. <laughs> Oh yeah. no, we're not going there. <laughs> with, with space with, decay with Aramex One. Scratch <laughs> 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 and sniff. With that sounded Aramex a lot worse yeah. when I said it than I'm intended it to. Sorry. Sweaty spacesuit. <laughs> we're all mature enough to, you know, to go with yeah. that. Yeah. What? Trouble like not bits. Number five. There's a difference right. between age and maturity, Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Paul. Uh, the votes you cannot obviously now vote for rescue at Xerxes four. Indeed. Well, Dave, uh, 
I am somewhat enticed by your, you know, you taking me back to the, uh, the summer that I finished my O levels. I was indeed going to WH Smith and picking up copies of Imagine and uh, running adventures from it. So that that is very, you know, that is appealing. But I think, you know, what you said about it not being necessarily a game aimed at beginners and having just finished The Expanse, uh, the TV series last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in the mind that picking up a, a scenario, perhaps, you know, a longer scenario, a campaign, perhaps even, that is that requires perhaps more work from the GM. It's a bit more rich in content. There's more yeah. to digest, a bit more preparation to do, to run it. I think there could be more content in that. So I'm also going to go for Mark's action on Akisha's outstation because it sounds like it would offer that kind of content. And if it's that kind of game, wow. then I think that would fit well. And I yeah. think also, Mark, you said it might not be too much content. I think we know what the players would do. They'll talk to some <laughs> people, but then they'll shoot other people, right? So yeah, yeah, if you yeah. push them, they'll, I'm sure there'll be yeah. some gunplay if you want it. The, the, the non-violent guy. species, yeah, the non-violent species, they'll slaughter them, take everything. So, well, it's an enclosed environment of a space station, so they could just wipe out the whole thing, couldn't they? Going to happen. The the scenario for uh, for uh, Frankenstein's RPG, the sci-fi years, scratch and sniff, is action on Akisha Outstation. Wow, my, very my well first done. win. Excellent. Excellent result. Thank you very much, especially Paul, seeing as, seeing as, I, as <laughs> I, I picked on you mercilessly to try and make my points. No, no, it's all yeah. sounded good to me. So, uh, yeah. In, uh, enjoy it, Mark. It's not going to happen again. And you've no, got Space I'm Master. Space never happened. Yes, yeah, Space Master again. Space Master once more. Most this underrated Mer- sci-fi game. Merp in space. Merp, Merp in space. Yeah. When you call it advanced space master, just to make sure you're clear with your intentions, oh. Dave, the new game. <laughs> I was going to a... call it Star Frontiers, but I don't think I can do that. That would be a brave when move. You call it Space Frontiers. Master. Space Frontiers Master. <laughs> okay. Accelerated. Uh, we're we're going to move on to the second subject. So, GM advice. Again, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get different approaches to all this. So, GM advice is anybody sort of uh chomping at the bit to go first? Shall I go first? I go? Mine's, mine's going to be Welcome. relatively brief, I think. <clears throat> so I, I did Mark. think about going for the grain chill option because I think I did that last time. Um, but I sort of I've sort of been out of contact with the, you know, because I, I used to spend a lot of time on Twitter and I haven't done that recently. And when yeah. we did the last one. You know, I was interacting with a lot of people on Twitter and all that, and you were just surrounded by advice for, for role-playing and all that sort of stuff. You, you, you know, there was too much of it. But now mm. I haven't sort of been interacting that that much, you know, for, for one thing or another. I realised that actually, unless you've got that plug-in, my, my approach was, you know, I still sort of stand by the core of it, but, but my approach was, you know, if, if you haven't got the exposure... Just listening to what other people are telling you, telling you is no good because no one's telling you anything. So I, I'm going to go with a sort of what's a bit of a halfway house and, and also is the rule set that we're mainly using at the moment, which is Savage Worlds. And that's mainly because the, the section is very, very small about GM advice. 
there's yeah. literally one paragraph sort of saying, you know, these are rules there to help you make decisions. And um, there's another set of rules for characters to come up with, a, with their own stuff. You know, it's like literally two bad paragraphs. Um, but I, I, because I haven't got this in print, I've got it digitally. I'm just skimming to, to look for the sentences that, that I was after, which I won't be able to find because I'm desperately skim reading. But there is a, a sentence in there that basically says the best advice they can give you. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm making it up. <laughs> the best advice. But they suggest that as the GM, the first thing you do is go off, go and have a look at YouTube or Twitch or whatever, and watch a couple of actual play sessions by other people. And they do say different group, you know, so it's sort of lead to different groups, yeah. because that will give you an idea of one, what role playing is if you've never done it, different styles, because you're looking at a few different streams. And obviously, if you can find your own rule settings, then even how, you know, different people interpret those rules. So it's very similar to, to what I was saying before, which is, you know, it's really between you, you that's the GM and the players to decide, you know, whether you want to be rules lawyers, how open, how free, how, but if you've not heard all those discussions and everything, the best advice I can think they can give is, yeah, is go out and look for, for that sort of thing. See how other people do it, you know, see what you like and, uh, and then just implement that. That's it. That's my. Uh... It's how terribly modern. <laughs> YouTube. Yeah, of course, you've got problems if you don't have a mobile phone or, or a computer, but um, then you probably can't afford the PDFs anyway. So, or, or God forbid, <laughs> you find a really, really bad actual play. That's why it's worth of, a couple. Or, or, the, yeah. or, the, or the PDFs are in dollars. Quite. <laughs> okay. quite simple now lyrically it's yeah. the same as pounds yeah I know it's terrible <laughs> easy conversion no you'd be using cents if you wanted to do the conversion wouldn't you uh, okay good savage worlds uh, again, <laughs> sense, again. There's, there's, there, there are there are two or three games that always always crop up one is usually the barbarians of Lemuria uh, obviously liminal not uh, not traveller 2d6 Liminal uh, and Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds always, do, and uh, having been a long time, not a naysayer, I, I was a little bit confused by Savage Worlds until I actually bought bought the game. Actually, that's a lie. I played in a uh, in one of Dirt's uh, Savage Worlds games. It was the I can't think what it's called. It's the the one you're sort of uh, post apocalyptic, riding around in cars and trucks and. Oh gosh, I can't think what it's called. I think he ran Slipstream. Was it that one? Oh, it possibly. sounds like Car Wars. <laughs> Car Wars, the Savage Worlds version. It will be. But it's getting, you know, and Savage Worlds, it is. It is. Unfortunately, it's getting to the stage now where, you know, it's a bit like GURPS was 20 years ago. Do it at home for less with Savage Worlds, to quote to Kiha, Andrew. Right. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you this time. Uh, GM advice. What uh, okay, what are your okay. thoughts? So, I, I I do have something to bring to the table rather than that's not willing. I mean, I I I was more comfortable looking at this because obviously I have run games. So, um, you know, in every in every book, you always get the um, the what is role playing. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and and 
actually, I think more prevalent is actually the your first task as game master is to read the entire book so as to understand the basic premise and all the rules. And like, I think, like, when was the last time I read an entire rule book? I don't know if I ever did. So, um, so I actually looked at quite. A, I actually looked at only sci-fi for this, and and I do have a. In, in PDF, I've quite seen to have quite a few sets of rules. So I looked yeah. at things like Dark Heresy, Hostile, um, Spire. Uh, well, yeah. actually, I know Spire's not, but but actually, I'm going to come back to that. But The Expanse, uh, Blades in the Dark, I'll come back to that. Um, yeah. And um, so Infinity from Modiphius, which I, I which I think is on. The bundle or the um, what bundle of holding? Yeah, I think it's on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that at the moment, like it came out this way. I thought I'd grab that, never look. So, and and the the advice in that book is huge, or it seemed to be huge. It seemed to cover everything from like what food to get at the table. Um, you know, it's just amazing. I it's um, I left a pile through it again, but um. One of the things I, I, that personally I like when you get the, the book is is the books where you get a story mm. that that gives you a flavour of the game and the setting. Okay, and so so I mean the, the ones that really stick out that the Dan Abnett in in Wolfrop. I mean that that's that's I mean that is bang on. I mean he obviously wrote that, for, so, but you know where else could you get you know the the, the master to, to write something for that? So um, that that was excellent. And um, and I suppose really that thinking about it now, Call of Cthulhu because that's always that always had the Call of Cthulhu in it. Um, Harvey and and that changed in the seventh edition uh, to the Dunwich Horror because mm-hmm. that is more of an adventuring party doing anyway, but. You know, so you've got that bit at the beginning, and I always think that's great. But um, yeah, sort of, sort of like for for those of our more modern listeners, when they write stuff, it's a bit like YouTube, but in words. Yes, theatre of the mind for <laughs> for role playing. Written. Imagine we'll, we'll call that. those. We'll call those those sections word YouTube. Yeah, yeah. old man, which I am, uh, you know. Do you have modern good. listeners, Dave? <laughs> no. In fact, the one get... sticker that's going to go on the front of the game is no one, not for persons under forty-five. I get, I get and the I think transcripts. We're being a bit generous at forty-five. I only read the transcripts <laughs> of these episodes. So, to to look back and, and not to mention stuff that other people might pick out, and I, I don't want to gazump anyone. Um, I, I'm going to look back to. Um, I, well, I, it came down to actually. I said I, I really honed in on sci-fi. It actually came back to Spire or Blades in the Dark, I think. Yeah. But for the for the advice I liked in the book, and I'm picking Spire because it's it says the same stuff, but it seems to be more compact, I think. And that that has um, it's it's a run in the game chapter, and it's split up to the, the first first heading or part of that is is making the game fun. And that the headings are, you know, they're like talk to each other, use lines and veils, and use the actor card. Now, I think that, that right up front, that's incredibly important in the modern game, is to get all of that stuff agreed, talked about yeah. in a sensible manner, and and you know, so everyone knows where they are 
what the maturity rating is going to be, et cetera, and go through. I think that's incredibly important. So that, that ticked a box for me there. And then it moves on to general advice. It says, don't make players roll dice unless they have to. We've all been in a game where, you know, you're set off on the adventure. One person's the pilot. You're all, you, you all piled into the, into the plane that someone's provided you. And it's, now make your pilot roll to see if you can take off. Why? Why? There's, you know, what's at stake? Nothing. You know, just, just, just take off and let's get on with it. You know, it, it, you know there's, no, people love rolling dice. I get that. But, like, you know, only do it if it matters. You know, and then, and then that leads into the other thing. If something's always at stake, why, why roll if it isn't? You know, so unless there is something at stake that's interesting, you know, if, if it's if it's going to fail or, or or work, don't roll. And, and I'm a firm believer in that, and that's that's good. And then another bit it says, which which I guess I should do personally more often is make notes and then refer to them. So I'm always scribbling stuff down, <laughs> but um, but it's it's you know it's usually rubbish or just doodles. <laughs> and, yeah. and and you know and and I always think oh, I've got a good memory. I can remember that, and and I can for a couple of days and and then you only then you only remember the highlights and yeah. and but so does everyone else so and so that's not necessarily good because you lose all that other knowledge or potentially you can you know because you don't meet for week to week or month to month or whatever so so keep notes i think i think that's a good thing to do um and then it moves on to stuff that is more um uh, new school, if you like, like say yes. Well, try to, you know, try to say yes and the queries when you can, because it moves the story forward. Okay, and things like that. Fail forward. You know, you either like it or you don't. But again, it, it's uh, Dave. I'm sorry, but um, you, you know, in, in these sort of stories, it, it can lead to dead ends, and it can be, you know, it can be difficult to get out of. Or you know, they end up retconning stuff and everything, and it's and everyone knows that that's happening, and it's a bit unsatisfactory, I think. Um, and then it, and it goes on to other things like uh, reuse before you invent. Always try to use old material, characters, locations, etc., to to bring yeah. the setting in and and to try and you know bring everything up and and you know uh, bring it, make it technicolor and stuff like that. And then and then I think the lead out on that is. Don't be don't be afraid to change stuff. You know, if you're in an in a in a established IP setting, like yeah, canon's important, but you can change stuff because yeah. you know because then it becomes fresher and things like that. Don't change everything, but you know, don't be afraid to change yeah. things up. How do, how do you sort of make a difference? Is you know, if you're not prepared to sort of change, if everything is sacred cows. nothing's ever going to change. Well, yeah, I, I think that's one of the big issues I have with some of these. You know, like Alien, Star Trek, Star Wars, etc. I know yeah. you know you're playing the stories in between the movies or, and all of that sort of thing. But um, you know, the, the, I think you still got the weight of all that background on top of everything, and then it can be quite crushing. I think so. It's actually, it's actually, and there, when you talk about that sort of big IP stuff, so I've often thought that with Alien, if you don't meet Alien. Are you going to be disappointed? I think I would be. You know, it's, it's a campaign play and stuff. It's a campaign play, even bad. Well, that's it. You know, you I'm stop, expecting you to be slaughtered out of hand. 
stocked up on flamethrowers and exoskeletons, and you know, and, and nothing happens. What's going on? So anyway, I think so. It's so Spire. Spire. Spire is your choice. Yeah. A good, a really good game. Heart is the second one, isn't it? Mm. Completely bonkers. <laughs> you know, if but if you if you compare, it's interesting. You, the bit you made in there about making notes and refer to them, not knowing what it is. So kind of this is from our traveller campaign. The last note I made in in that when, on the last time we played, which is last week. And I don't know what this means, but I've got purple vibrating egg. That's your shopping list, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you perusing no. goop at the time? And <laughs> summers, I think. No. <laughs> it's a new side of Carl I'm learning about anyway. Please <laughs> take a weird turn, his traveller campaigns. Spire, though. I think Spire of... I don't I don't have a terrifically large collection of very, very sort of very recent games. But Spire has only been out for a couple of years, maybe three, um, two, three I years. Think when I first got this, I, I remember reading it when I was on holiday um, in, in Mexico. So it, probably five years, maybe. Oh, is it? Oh, gosh. About that, I think it's got to be, um, a, yeah, something like that. Not so modern there. But, but uh, yeah, I, I it's more modern blew me than away. other games I've got. But I would say Blades of the Dark came close as well because I think that that has a very good uh, section. But it, but a lot of it is really rooted into Dusk Bowl and things like that. So, but but Spire, Spire, thank you. Uh, Hall, can I may I come to you? No, I can, and I'm going to try and do it in in, in the style of the the films. Ah, <laughs> oh, very cool. Da, 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 da. So I opened up um, Star Wars from West End Games and I, I looked at quite a lot of different science fiction games and their GMing advice. And the reason I've chosen Star Wars are several. One is that it's only two to three pages long. It's about two pages of text. The first few paragraphs explain the role of the player and the GM. And they do so in quite an engaging manner. And as I read it, I got to the end of maybe the second paragraph, and I realized what they'd done is tell me what a role-playing game is. But they haven't got that obligatory heading saying, what is a role-playing game that none of us bother reading? Yeah. But actually, they'd, they'd, they'd communicated it perfectly effectively without saying that. And then at the bottom of the page, they break down the GM's job into three parts, which they call refereeing, role-playing NPCs, and sustaining suspension of disbelief. And they kind of explain what they mean by those terms. And that is all on the first page. And then there's a page that talks um, about setting the tone of the game. And uh, there's, there's, there's a few headings in there. So uh, it's, it's about capturing things that happen in the movies. It's about banter, you know, sort of snappy dialogue. It's about aliens, it's about science fiction settings, yeah. grandiose scale, pseudo-scientific gobbledygook. So it's it's all these things that 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 bring the, the game alive and give it that, that Star Wars feel. But I think this was the bit that that nailed it for me. Knowing that Matthew was here today, I thought I've got to I've got to have this, Matthew, because uh, it says 
when characters walk into a bar in Star Wars, it doesn't look a lot like the Hangout. Oh, sorry. No, I misread it. It doesn't look a lot like the Hangout down the street. So, you know, so it's not like your local pub. And then it goes on to say, when they walk outside, it doesn't look like Leamington Spa. <laughs> well, Excellent. I don't know. I've seen, I've seen Tatooine. So, <laughs> floor differs. I'm going to use that against Matthew because obviously he isn't qualified to talk about science fiction living in Leamington Spa. You know, it's, it's just going to, you know, it's, it's going to have too big an influence on you. We usually see games only for us here. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's all that psychogeography stuff, which I'm sure, you know, you know all about from your professional role. So, and then, that, mm. and then there's eight, eight useful things to remember about games mastering. Uh, and it takes you through those. So within a couple of pages, you know, you've got what it is to be a, a GM and, and some advice. It doesn't go into great depth about lots of things that, you know, that, that uh, as Mark said, you, you know, if you're on Twitter or social media or you're following anything or you're, you're watching playthroughs, you're going to pick up on a lot of those things anyway. But I think that yeah. the main thing that, that inspired me with this was that reading it, didn't just sort of tell me how to run the game. It made me want to play the game. It excited me mm. and made me think running this game sounds really fun. And never mind all that shit. Look, <laughs> it's got a picture, a half-page illustration of Admiral Akbar. There we are. What more do you it's need? It's a trap. Don't That's all you need. It's a trap. Yeah. How 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 on earth can we oh, top that? My case. <laughs> How on earth could you top that Matt from Leamington Spa? Yeah, I mean, Tatooine. Yeah. Paul, Paul's done well with that one because it was on my on my little shortlist. It is a brilliantly written section. I think, again, for getting you the kind of feel of the game and advice. And that is D6 Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. West End Games version, yeah. West End. Which yeah, edition yeah, yeah. was it? Was it the original one you had up there, Paul, the one you flashed the camera? I think it was the first edition. It, it is the first printing, first edition, 1987. Yeah. Paul from Virgin Games in Leeds cool mm. so yeah so my um so i went back and listened to your first episode with gr the grog 10 guys dave oh i'm i'm sorry because uh, i was thinking surely <laughs> they've told me what is your sub genre of sci-fi and what is your successing but no i was it was alluded me <laughs> alluded me throughout um so I'm going to step away from, you know, I went for sort of the licensed franchised suggestions for scenarios. I'm going to go for sort of general how to build a sci-fi game, you know, without yeah. constraints, as it were, type advice. And, okay. yeah, as I said, on the shortlist of Star Wars, West End Games, lovely chapter, really nice advice. But what I'm going to suggest is, um, I guess the two, and I'll tell you, I'll choose one of them, is one with stars that number, which I know you're a fan of, Dave, and you've mentioned. Yeah. And the reason for that is um, thinking a bit back to our earlier conversation about Beyond the Wall, some lovely tables to building, you know, sectors, planets, adventures. You, so I can see how you could kind of fuse that into kind of Lee's idea for how to get a little adventure going yeah, from, yeah. from, from yeah. scratch. Um, so that was my kind of, you know, second one. Really good, really good advice. But the one I'm going to suggest, um, and I'm not sure you've mentioned this in your series so far, is um, The Stars of Fire, which is for the Cypher System by Monty Cook Games. So you've oh. probably heard of Numenera, which is this kind of, you know, sci-fi fantasy yeah, 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 yeah. game. But the Cypher System is the kind of generic rule set, which is subsequently published. And they've released yeah. a few kind of settings books for it. So there's a fantasy one. There's, I think there's a superhero one. There's a 
horror one, but there's a science fiction book, and I think it's really, really good. So it's called The Stars of Fire. And uh, the, the reasons it's good is because it kind of does what um, I thought you might have done in your first episode, Dave. It goes over the kind of um, subgenres of sci-fi and then goes through various bits, you know, how you might want to handle certain things in a sci-fi game. And it includes things like, you know, um, fast than light travel, black holes, dealing with vacuum, dealing with radiation, even gives you some little descriptions you can use for a player, for the character who's first experiencing high G, who's first experienced radiation towards somebody who's more acclimatised. Okay. Some nice little tables, like random tables, what you find, what debris you find on a salvage ship, this kind of stuff. Um, uh, sort of, you know, conflicts you might encounter in a new area of, of space, um, as well as hmm. more specific things around, you know, psionics and, um, you know, post-human stuff and implants and stuff. So as a kind of... Wow. Um, so the book basically divided into three. So the first yep. third is all this generic stuff. What are your kind of toolkit for a sci-fi campaign? I suppose is what it is. Um, yep. I think that's really helpful. Allows you to choose anything from dystopian to you know uh, far future transhuman to alien invasions. Got all the kind of various genres. Um, the second yep. third is is a sample setting called the Revel, which is a bit of a you know, the expanse knockoff and the third bit is an adventure, but I'm really recommending it for the, the first third, which is, as I say, generic um, um, sci-fi ad- advice. And I think it's just really good. So if I was to, if I was to kind of run or think about a game with some new players alongside the lines of the, you know, the Frankenstein's RPG sci-fi game, where we want to set a, create a new setting ourselves as a group, yeah. get that book out and just say, what, what do you think guys, what here attracts you, what interests you in the kind of bigger sci-fi space let's try and narrow it down together so that yeah that'd be my my tip so the stars of fire from uh, monty cook's games mm. for, the, for the cypher system but of course the first third is all kind of rules neutral it just gives you tips on how to deal with these kind of fairly standard features of, of science fiction the stars is it the stars fire. of of fire or the stars uh, of fire the stars are fire the stars are I think it's by Bruce Cordell who's written quite a few things for Monty Cook and I think did a lot of um D&D 4E from what I recall okay yeah that's um yeah that'd be my tip so yeah useful book I think and a bit like I guess a bit like a bit like Mark's suggestion of Savage Worlds one of those kind of generic rule sets that's you know quite, quite useful the cyber system for lots of different settings yeah one of the games that actually really did grab me when I first uh came out of my deep freeze again was um was that Numenera you talked about, yeah. Monty Cook? But I only ever got as far as the sort of the um, the starter set, which I thought was fantastic. But it all just—I don't know—it was a bit. Too, I think it was probably a bit too much for me. So I'd, I'd quite like to go back and have another look at some Monty Cook games. Well, I will recommend. We, we, we yeah. played a bit of in, in Leamington. Is is the Strange, which is one of those kind of realm hopping ones. You start off as kind of you know protecting from dimensional incursion as it were in modern times you can jump to kind of various different realms that's quite a cool kind of men in black type type um um, monty cook sounds like a tour group off to me it probably (laughs) might be actually yeah it might be yeah around the realms come Uh, to you you travel to the different realms i guess it's a slight (laughs) distinction we're 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 off to the realm of lemington spa everybody exactly (laughs) looks a lot like tatooine but with a co-op. We've, we've, <laughs> I've, got, we've, I've got a co-op, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a George, the nice Jordan's facade. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, 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 I deeply love milk. Cool. So okay. that's my my suggestion for, um, yeah, sci-fi GM advice. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, so it comes to me. 
to me. Now, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times. Now, I'm also, uh, I'm yet to play this game. However, the more I read it, the more I think this might well end up being my sort of go-to sci-fi. And a uh, friend of the show, uh, Dr. Johnny Hodgson, uh, A-State. Um, I know it's, this is this is a second edition of A-State. I, I, I don't have first edition, so I don't know exactly how far it has evolved. But as you were saying, uh, Matt, I think, Lee, you also say, uh, well, no, definitely Mark was saying, the GM advice is comparatively sort of small. In fact, it's it's sort of essentially it's 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 one paragraph amongst a lot of other paragraphs of the basics, and it says the game's master, the GM establishes the dynamic world around the characters. The GM plays all the non-player characters in the world by giving each one a concrete desire and a preferred method of action. The GM helps organize the conversation of the game so it's pointed towards the interesting elements of play. The GM isn't in charge of the story and doesn't have to plan events ahead of time. Ooh, contentious. They present interesting opportunities to the players, then follow the chain of action and consequences wherever they lead. So quite a sort of a modern sensibility, I think. What it does then do, though, and I think, again, Lee, you certainly alluded to it, it then has... Uh, the piece on safety and content warnings and sort of group uh, group play um, is is about three or four times longer than the GM's advice, which I also like. I think is incredibly important. And actually, I think page thirteen, A State Second Edition, there's there's sort of four or five paragraphs on safety and content warning, which I think is absolutely the 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 blue ribboned of or the you know the absolute um acme of uh safety tips content warning how to be more inclusive uh in your game i think it's absolutely fantastic really really good so, yeah. but the game's master bit very very small and very succinct now the problem is again whilst i think this is a game that perhaps you could pick up not knowing what role-playing games are about and get into it fairly quickly because it is very, very well explained and quite concisely explained. I think the reason why it appeals to me is a, a relatively sort of long-in-the-tooth player GM and everything else is it, it's laid out fantastic. It looks visually wonderful. A lot of thought has gone into how all the other elements interact in the game. You've got lots of different parts of it. You know, there's there's a there's a specific game of coins that you can have. The GM screen is brilliant. It's presented in such a way that there's information for the players, uh, and there's also information for the GM, and you can actually have it set up in the middle of the table. There's a sort of a play mat wherein you can move through you know, sections of the of the game. So I think from that element, I think it's all very, very well thought out. It looks lovely. You expect it, you know, from somebody who's as artistic as as, as John is. But I like the fact that it takes the things seriously that you need to take seriously and then presents everything in a very concise and very, very um, straightforward way, which is great for me. So I'm going to say A state. And again, much as with Full Fathom 5, The Doll's House, Champions RPG, and uh, and also uh, Bear and Ragged Staff, Oh no, Owlbear and Wizard Staff Convention from Lemington. I can highly recommend all these things, but A State is is top of the shop for me. 
So we have we have our five. It sounded rather serious, actually, coming from me. <laughs> I had, a, had a bit of a, a, a bit of a serious moment, which I'll try not to do again. Uh, Paul went for Star Wars D6, played Star Wars D6 at uh, UK Games Expo. Uh, loved the game, loved the players. GM was a little bit mm, okay. Sorry about uh, that, but Dave. Star Wars just <laughs> sh- sh- shines through. Yeah, maybe some at some stage I'm going to think maybe it's me. The Star Wars D6, Paul Lee went for Spire again. Brilliant choice, like Spire, bonkers game, but great. Mark Savage Worlds again, a really really good example of you know something that you could absolutely can apply to almost any setting. It really does work well, and uh, GM advice very good in there, very concise. Matt, the stars uh, are fire. The stars are fire. Uh, Monty Cook Games, yeah, like that. And for me, A State. So, who would like to vote first? Mark, can I come to you first? Where are you gonna Where are you gonna cast your vote? Uh, you can. I think this is the first time this has happened for me on this show. I'm genuinely, seriously not sure. In a, in in a in a very thoughtful way, not just being flippant or silly or whatever, because yeah. all of them are really good in their own way. Spire and A State have something that I never consider, mainly because I've always played with the same group of people or, you know, with a few other people on the fringes coming in and out over the years. So yeah. things like, you know, considerations of what's safe, you know, what we do and don't like, you know, what, you know, what's unacceptable and acceptable is not something we've ever really had to consider. Um, but obviously, if you're playing convention games or online with people you've never met before, I think that's key. And for someone like me, uh, it needs to be slammed in my face because I don't think about it because I'm so used to playing with people, you know, a certain style of people. And I, I do sort of think for for a gentleman of my age, like many of us are, I do. I am a lot more aware than a lot of my peers about things like you know misogyny and things like that, and and um, yeah. You know, accidental misogyny and things like that. You know, be more aware of that. So, so I think those two that that's really important. Yeah. Um, so that's really got me thinking. <laughs> um, I, I can't. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Lee, but I can't go with yours because you mentioned failing forward. <laughs> and, and, and my, my second favorite thing to hate because it's always banded about with such fervour and dogma is the always saying yes. Because I would always advise to uh, to any player who has a GM who takes the, the always saying yes route is ask them if you can pummel them with a baseball bat. 
Um, <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I don't think it works. I, I get the no, premise, it, it, you know, don't block the players just to be awkward. I'm sure it's not meant to be as literal as that. But. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people, if you're on Twitter and things like that, if you watch them, they, they literally are. You always have to say yes. No, 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 no. It's improv. It's improv. It's, you know, it's, it's dogma. It's, and, and that's the bit I don't uh, like. I yeah. think, I think as GMs, especially as older ones, we have to be more open to going, we, we have to be a lot more flexible than we used to be. And, you know, we have to, you know, remember that this is a game for all of us. We're, we're not God GM and they're the players who are doing our, our following our story. Yeah. So players I think are actually that, disappointed think, and made sad. That's what I yeah. think anyway. I think it's got a lot of mileage. I just think there's too much dogma around it and it, and it just... I, 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 I know where you're coming skin. from, and, 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 I, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. So. And also, I'm struggling to to rule anybody's choices out. So, um, oh, you could have to I'm, hurry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to go with my gut and say um, Star Wars with Paul. He yeah. sold it so well. And it sounds like the way it's written, you know, GM's advice is quite often very samey. Uh, it is missing that bit about, you know, the sensitivity and, you know, how you uh, deal with that. And, you know, but it sounds like they've written it in such a style and a way that it really engages the GM and, yeah. and inspires yeah. them as well as just tells them how to run the game. Yeah. Happy days. Matt, what are you going for? Yeah, I was just seeing a Paul wading around Admiral Akbar. It looks like some kind of sci-fi deep one, Paul. So I think the Cthulhu in space is still still a oh, running yes. running topic, I think. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'm at risk of voting for Paul twice. I'm going to have to go for Star Wars first edition West End games again, just because it's got a... I think similarly, I think I can't remember the... Paul said he bought it from Leeds. I remember buying this when I was a teenager on a summer holiday with my family and just looking at it and just being like the most gorgeous, wonderful book yeah. of the time i think it's got you know adverts like about buying a droid joining the imperial navy just the the way it's put together for something in the in the mid 80s is just inc- in- incredible i think and still reading it now the tone of and there we are yeah paul showing us for our, our people on audio purely paul is showing us the advert yeah. to join the imperial navy in the star wars book which is wonderful um star wars star wars d6 yeah west End games yeah really good tone <clears throat> advice yeah okay lee what are you going to go for Okay, so I, I I have my mind. I mean, I think everyone really did pick some good ones, and, and everything had like some highlights in them, and uh, to round it out. But for me, I think Paul nailed it. I mean, it, to just I mean, because we're all on camera here as well, but you just see the enthusiasm that the. the Paul had for the game and how he was remembering it. I know you had to put them, but you know, and and it's and it. It was concise. It's all there, you know. So, I, I, I'm going to vote with Star Wars the Western Games as well. Because okay, so fantastic, Paul. You cannot vote for Star Wars D6. So, Spire, Savage Worlds, The Stars Are Fire, or A State. Which one would you like to go for? Okay, so I think the whole discussion of safety tools like lines and fails and X cards is yeah is is something that should definitely be in there. Um, However, one thing I, I would say about the game, about you know Frankenstein science fiction RPG, I don't think it should have a chapter called GM advice. And the reason is, particularly if you're saying it's aimed at you know not new players, it's aimed you're you're thinking the market is more you know experienced gamers. They're not going to read it because my experience with Call of Cthulhu is 
looking at the questions people ask online, they haven't read the Keeper's That's Advice chapter. Because okay. that no, would answer that most of their questions. Uh, yeah, poor, poorly written, I thought. Yeah, sorry about that, Dave. So, sorry. The, the one that I would come back to uh, is I've just forgotten what it was. Yes, no. I think Matthew's suggestion of the stars are fire because it goes through. I think you would get the GM advice without realizing you were getting the GM advice because it's all dressed up in how to deliver the setting and how to deliver you know, elements yeah. of, uh, dealing with um, the effects of high G, you know, if that's in your game or the effects of um, your various, you know, the, the various technology and the effects of living yeah. in space. And if you, cause people are going to want to read that stuff. And if you can put the GM advice into that, you know, like a sort of hidden vitamin supplement in there, <laughs> then uh, people are going to digest that along with their, uh, you know, along with all the other good stuff. So that's my, so that's, the, my, the stars that's my, are fire. the stars are fire. Fantastic. I'm going to be making a, a sickening cringe fest, and I'm also going to go for Star Wars D6, I think you're right. It's, and, and Lee, actually. Lee, I think Lee nailed what you nailed, which is the, the enthusiasm. Any any bit of an element of GM advice where it just makes you want to pick up the game and do it now, that's surely that's got to be good. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's, that's that, that, that was really the thing that stood out to me, is that just reading it, it just made me want to run it. And that's not yeah. common, I think, with GM advice. No, not at all. Fantastic. Well, there we are. So the scenario that we're going for is the action on Akisha Outstation from Space Master. <laughs> mm. And uh, our GM advice comes from uh, Star Wars D6 because we're going to try and enthuse everybody to play the game. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Brilliant. Thanks. Really well done. Yeah, good choices. Like yeah. 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 Thank you, everyone. Great. So there you have it. That was episode nine and hope you enjoyed it. The show notes will have a little bit more explanation about some of the games and the nonsense, but please don't blame me for your burgeoning desire to buy yet another game. <laughs> on another subject, please do check out all the other things for which our contributors today or on this episode are rightly famous for. <laughs> famous. Yeah. The good friends of Jackson and Elias, and the Champions RPG podcasts are absolutely brilliant and certainly something to be downloaded and savoured. The Dole's House, that's D-H-O-L-E-S House, is an absolutely superb resource for Call of Cthulhu of all ages and on all types, so please get on there. And lastly, Owlbear and Wizard Staff is probably one of the finest British conventions and beloved of all grognards. So thanks again to Paul, Lee, Matthew and Mark. We're getting just that bit closer to a game. If you'd like to leave us a message on Twitter, please do, at FrankensteinRPG, and happy to take feedback and contributions to the rest of this series. And Frankenstein in space! Anyway, next time we're looking at uh, actually how we might run the game. A bit more about philosophy. Um, uh, and maybe even... Uh, character archetypes. So, fingers crossed, we'll be coming back to you fairly shortly. Thanks for following us. Thanks for downloading. See you soon.